Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. What's up, everyone? I hope that you had a great weekend, and, and thanks for coming back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And I don't know about where you're at in the U.S., but I'll tell you what, over here on the, the East, it is has been some nice weather finally. So we had some good weather and everything, which made for some you know good time to scout. Um, unfortunately, or not really unfortunately, because it was an awesome time, but I, I spent some time uh, on a, my own little kind of mini vacation in, in Nashville, Tennessee. So the first non-hunting or business-related vacation that I've taken in a long time, and it, it was a, you know, a great experience and a lot of fun to be had. But if you were able to get outside and enjoy the weather, this was definitely the the weekend to do that here as we get into you know mid-March. And so today's podcast, we're going to have uh, an awesome guest, an awesome lady from Missouri, Alex Templeton, will be coming on the line here. So Alex has uh, a ton to offer, talk to us about from anywhere from ranching, farming, and hunting, from her you know, first bow hunting elk success to hunting big Missouri whitetails and what she does on a daily business working on her family farm and ranch. So that that's going to be, I think, a really cool episode for everyone to listen to. Alex is, is someone that, I think is really given a great name to and are more or less a role model to the the women that are coming up in in hunting and there couldn't be a you know a better person to signify the the women out there in this industry. So let's get into the the partners of the podcast here. So the University of Elk Hunting Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together a complete one-year course to help elk hunters of all different experience levels from beginners to to very experienced veterans of elk hunting from the planning phases to the elk calling to the fitness and all the way to the packing out the meat this course is fully encompassing to be able to help you become a better elk hunter and be more, more prepared for the upcoming season so the course is complete with a ton of information that's going to take you a lot longer than a few hours to go through. It's it's something that is literally like a like a course. I mean, you're like a college course. You're going through it and you're taking time setting aside and with anything that's worthwhile, it takes time and will be really beneficial to you. So Corey's offered up uh, a coupon code for any East Meets West Hunt listeners. So if you enter the code East Meets West at checkout, you'll get 20% off that course. That'll save you $20 on an annual membership. I've been doing the course now for three years, and it's very beneficial. In addition, Heather's Choice is a partner of the podcast, and Heather has created backcountry meals for adventuring, hunting, anything else, camping, backpacking, that are healthy options that provide the the nutrients needed that are all gluten-free, dairy-free options to help you perform better in the backcountry while just tasting just plain out great. 
So I recommend checking out the sockeye salmon, smoked sockeye salmon chowder meals. That's my favorite dinner that that she offers, as well as any of their packer in line. They're top notch. So Heather's offering a coupon code for free shipping on any orders over $99 by using East Meets West at checkout. And if your order is under $99 and you still want to help support the podcast, please go over to our website and click on the link there, um, which would be just the, the picture on the logos on the partners page. That helps show that we are um, supporting Heather and her company there at Heather's Choice. And also, Maven Optics has partnered with us. And Maven is a, a company that builds the highest quality optics from rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes. And they're doing that through a direct-to-consumer business model that basically allows them to sell at half the price of their competitors by cutting out the middleman and selling just online or at retail or at shows, excuse me. And so what Maven is doing with that is they're very customer service oriented. It's a small group of guys and girls there that are really putting the customer first lifetime, no fault warranty on the highest quality optics out there. And what Maven is doing for any of the listeners of the podcast, they're offering out a, code is just east meets west dash gift and what that will do is get you a free gift with any full price optics order online so if you want to check that out and check out any of their optics feel free to shoot me a message or an email if you have any questions on them they uh i've been using them now for three or four years and great great uh company to work with there so i'm glad that that we officially you know partnered here for the podcast so with that part out of the way here let's get into talking about kind of well on the last podcast i did with Corey jacobson it was all about planning a do-it-yourself elk hunt so i figured as we go through this application season and kind of go through how i'm planning out my hunts for the year and when i say hunts it's going to be basically one elk hunt because of the time that's allowed through vacation and, and also with money. So I'm trying to find where to put my money in, you know, being well spent and also try to get a quality tag out of that, which may end up being an over the counter option. Um, but what I'm going to try to do this year is take my chances where, where it's best had and maybe even draw, you know, a, a premium tag and, with that being said, New Mexico is one that comes to mind and is as the the application deadline is March 20th here. So if you're listening to this live as it released March 20th, 2019 at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, that's the deadline to apply for New Mexico. So some things to, to note about New Mexico and kind of why I'm applying there. The trophy potential for elk in New Mexico on a statewide level is is top notch and will rival really any other state in the West from that standpoint. So there's potential for trophy bulls across most of the units in the state and really you have a chance of a trophy at a lifetime uh, when hunting elk in New Mexico in certain units. So what's really cool about New Mexico, and I love this model, is that when you apply in New Mexico, you have the same chance as anybody else when it comes down to 
they have no point system. So you're not building up every year points to, you know, they don't give it out to the highest point holder as say a state like Colorado does with a true preference point system. New Mexico is just random draw. And there are different things. I mean, residents get most of the pool when they put in. And then there's also a separate pool for guided, um, you know, potential to draw. And then there's the non-resident. So the do-it-yourself guys and girls out there that are trying to just put in for a tag and hope to draw. But what New Mexico did um, this year. So in the past, New Mexico, you had upfront all the money, which you know, can be expensive to put up front, but you'd get it refunded. So for the most part, you'd be putting in for your $65 hunting license, your $5 habitat stamp, your five, your $4 habitat management and access validation stamp, and then $13 per species application, as well as the, the actual tag, which for this year is $535 for an out-of-state elk license. So when you, you total that up, you know, you're looking over $600 here, um, about $650 to apply in New Mexico for elk. So you'd have to upfront all that money, put it on a credit card. And if you draw, then that money stays, you know, your card gets, um, your card gets ran and that money's gone. You get the tag. If you didn't draw in the past, you got all of that back except for the $13 application fee per species. Well, this year, what New Mexico did was change that. So you do not get refunded your hunting license or your stamp. So basically, you'll have $74 in licenses and habitat stamps and then a $13 application fee. So you're looking somewhere around, let's just say close to $100 is what you're going to have out of pocket, no matter what, even if you don't draw to apply in New Mexico, which doesn't make it as appealing, especially if you know, you're know you budgeting and trying to do these things when you're not getting a point out of it. But New Mexico, in my opinion, is one of those states that, again, I've never hunted it before, but from talking to people, and, and you'll even hear Alex talks about her New Mexico elk hunt on this podcast, it offers such great potential that I'm... I'm willing to spend that extra hundred dollars to attempt to draw one of these tags. And what they do is, so you put in and you have basically, I'm just, just for talking standpoint on here, your first three choices that you put down for units to draw are the ones that are considered for you to draw. So you, you always put the, the toughest one to draw first. The one that you want the most, you know, usually one of the the highest, you know, success rate units with the biggest bulls and which, and it's not really a secret, but the, the Gila range, you know, and I guess it would be West Central, Southwest New Mexico has, is that, you know, glorious tag that everybody wants. So that's usually like, you know, some of the first choice you'd put in and your second ch- choice, still good tag a little bit, you know, less uh, or a little bit better odds. And your third choice is more of a realistic option if that's what you want to do. And what New Mexico does is when they're going through this draw process, they're just picking names out of the hat. So they'll go through, say they draw Bomartonic. They'll look at your first choice. All right, that one's already given all the tags out for this unit. Second choice, that's already given all the, the tags out. Third choice, all right, there's a couple tags left. 
he gets it. You get that tag. If all those, your three choices were already taken up and the number of tags was already allotted to other hunters that drew before you, then you're thrown out and you get all your money back besides that, you know, roughly a hundred dollars. So my strategy with it is, um, with New Mexico this year is going to be, I'm going to put in for three pretty tough units with success rates of anywhere less than 1% in my first one down to ones that are in about that 8% range uh, for my third choice. And there's still not really good draw odds, but I'm thinking I'm using this as a state to kind of shoot for the fences. And if I don't draw, then I'll hunt, uh, you know, an over-the-counter option or potentially a, a draw unit in Colorado or Idaho, which well, which is what I'm looking at kind of this year, do something a little different. I'm looking at Idaho pretty, pretty hard here. So that's right now. That's kind of what I'm looking at, what my strategy is going to be. So I'm going to apply for New Mexico here and where I'm getting all my information for New Mexico and actually all of the, the Western states when it comes to how I'm picking units, how I'm finding out draw odds, bull to cow ratios, you know, success rates, the whole bit comes from, I use a, an online resource called gohunt.com. And that was something Corey and I talked about in the last podcast. Gohunt has been something I've been a paying member now since the beginning of, of my Western hunting experience for four years now. And it's been really helpful to try help picking out, you know, quality units and learning as much as possible with it. I gave just a very, very quick synopsis of of you know their application strategy uh article and their what they have is called insider uh filtering 2.0 which you can go through and kind of filter the things you're looking for and it helps you pick units that way but really recommend that application for or if go hunt as a resource to use for checking out these things and it you know it does I, I believe that the cost of it's one hundred forty nine dollars a year to use that, but as in with anything that's that uh, helps you succeed you know the planning phase of it as we talked about with you know Corey's University of Elk Hunting, if you put some of that money up front in the planning phases once you get the chance to do that hunt, then it can be very very beneficial to do that. So I'd, I'd recommend you know really putting in money to things like that rather than even in gear to some extent and so that's kind of what my strategy is uh for new mexico here i'll dive into some of the other ones as as we get closer to these deadlines and what i'm going to do for colorado um, with an april 2nd deadline and some of the law changes there but for now new mexico is on my radar here next couple days i'll be throwing in my application and hopefully i'm going to be able to talk my dad into applying here with me and doing as a group application and swing for the fences. So with that being said, let's get right into the podcast here with Alex and I hope everyone enjoys. All right, we're back for another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. Sitting here in a Sika booth at the Great American Outdoor Show in beautiful Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Alex Templeton's here with me. Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's uh, early morning here. Had to drag you out of bed and get in here nice and early. You did. Sunday morning. 
yeah. been at the show for a few days and had to get up early to come do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, have something that's helping us out a little bit, though, fueling us. We do. What is it? Some bush lights. <laughs> Some lattes. Some I said that I was lattes. not doing this podcast if we didn't drink beer doing it. And yeah. it just turned out we have to do it on a Sunday morning <laughs> before the show starts, but we're still going to be drinking beer. Yeah, I was talking to Alex last week, and we were going to record it on Friday night. And I'm like, listen, I'll even bring the beer. And she's like, all right. And then when we realized that that wasn't going to work out, that we had to do it Sunday morning, she's like, you know that my it still stands like you need to bring beer. That's all there is. That's my number it. one requirement. Yeah. All right, we're back after a little bit of a little bit of um break up in the the conversation there. It was one of the nice gentlemen next door came over and offered us some coffee. No, we'll just stick with beer. Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, we need to help these yeah, people they're out. They're like, why are these people doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, I'm in the booth with Alex, last day of the Harrisburg show. It's been a long week. I mean, you just got in here on Friday because you just yeah. do whatever you do. You yeah, I, wh- I didn't have to come to this show for the whole, what is it, like 20 days long? Nine. Something, <laughs> nine days. <laughs> Close. Didn't have to come for the whole show, which was nice. Just came in for a few days for the end here and help work the booth and then tear down when the show's over. So yeah, it's yeah. my first time here at this show and in PA and... Yeah, what's your what's your thoughts on the show as a whole? I really like it. There, it's huge. First of all, I don't know that there's any way to see everything that's here, mm-hmm. and there's just been thousands of people come through. It's insane. Yeah, it's way bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, they were saying something last night. It's like three hundred thousand people that come through this show. That's insane. In a week, it's the biggest show in the world. From yeah, an outdoor I see that. Point. I can. You can definitely tell for sure. Um, yeah, it's a great show. There's lots to look at. Yeah, that's for sure. All, all different types of people that. Yeah, we've the... just about seen it all in <laughs> the few <laughs> days I've been here. Yeah, but it's been great. No, I've been, I've really enjoyed my time here. The weather's nice. You said it hasn't been nice. Yeah, but it's really nice today. Yeah, that helps. So did you? Um, you work quite a bit of shows for Sika, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I will go. Uh, I do some of the industry shows early on, like ATA and SHOT Show, and then I'll move on to the consumer shows, which are my personal favorite. I like coming to these stuff, you know, and meeting people and hanging out for a few days in new cities and getting to spend time with my Sitka family. It's a yeah. blast. So, yeah, I'll, after this, I'll be going to Western Hunter and then a few Midwest white taily shows. And yeah. I love it. That's cool. So, I guess we jumped into it a little bit there, but what, so what do you do... Tell us a little bit about Alex. Okay. Can you do that? Okay. Let me try to make (laughs) myself sound cooler than I am. (laughs) So uh, I got involved with Sitka, uh, I think, believe it was late 2014, early 2015. Um, I just graduated from college and they, I had met some of the guys at the Iowa Deer Classic. I just went for fun and they mentioned that they were going to start creating a women's whitetail line. And a little bit later, they asked me if I would get involved and help design some of the gear and kind of product field test. And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. So <laughs> went out to Bozeman in 2015 and helped get the women's whitetail line off the ground, worked yeah. with some cool designers and some cool people and uh, some really cool other other women like Jess DiLorenzo was a part of it too. And that's how Jess and I met and became such good friends. So yeah, and then from then on, it's just went to where I'm a whitetail ambassador for the brand, and I work trade shows, product 
and field test still and just try to make the line as good as it can be. It's a, it's a pretty sweet gig. I pretty much get to hunt and cool stuff and get to come to trade shows. So yeah, <laughs> can't complain. So with with that, so you just were at Deer Assic and it just so happened. Well, I was at the Iowa the Iowa Deer Classic. Oh, I um, thought you said Deer Assic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Pay attention. <What>? And then, <laughs> yeah, and met some of the guys. And, you know, I had done some TV show stuff before that. Okay. And I guess that maybe where I met some people through that. But don't do any TV stuff anymore. That mm-hmm. was kind of a phase I went through. And yeah. then, yeah, it was, it was great. The Sitka crew is just awesome. They've become just my personal friends. You know, I don't view it as people I work with or work for. You know, they're my personal friends. Cool. So, so you do this, but you also have a different side of you that you do on a daily basis. I do. So I am a third-generation rancher in Missouri. Okay. Is my... My real job. Yeah. My day job. <laughs> yeah. And you've, uh, it's, it's funny, you've kind of opened even my eyes personally to see, and I always watch your Instagram stories when you're, uh, every, everyday life and, uh, what do you call it? Ag talk with Alex. Ag talk with Alex. Yeah. So I've always like <laughs> kind of shared like bits and pieces of what we're doing, just mainly like, you know, pictures and videos of cows and of my dad and stuff. But then the past like couple months, I really tried to explain like, okay, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And this is how it benefits us. And that's been a really, really fun thing for me to share because I realized that there's ranchers all over America and everybody does something different, but it's fun to be able to share what we do, Yeah, you know, and the why behind it. Um, And it has opened a lot of people's eyes. I get tons of messages from people that are just they eat it up that they like seeing what we do and like the cows and everybody loves my dad yeah like he's every, like everyone's like oh you need to bring your dad to a trade show i want to meet your dad and we're super super close uh we've always been yeah had a great relationship and you know when i graduated from college we decided that you know i wanted to come back it was never a secret that this is what i that's what i wanted to do and we made the decision that we would try it and it's been working, so yeah, that's cool. Like I said, it's it's a, it's just interesting to watch it because I never grew up around any of that style of mm-hmm. you know ranching or anything, and and just seeing it, it's pretty neat. And, oh well, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tons of fun to share the behind the scenes of it, yeah. and I get lots of good feedback about it. Everyone's been really receptive to it, really open to listen to me talk and stuff. And I definitely, I won't pretend I know everything. You know, I posted something the other day that I get my ass handed to me all the time. It's extremely humbling. And just when you think you have something figured out, something goes completely haywire and you got to just wing it. (laughs) We make it work. Some days are harder than others. One thing I, I, I do catch myself is I'm only sharing all the positive things, Mm -hmm. you know, but there are a lot of negative, bad, hard things that happen. So I'm trying to think of a way to like tastefully integrate that. You know, I want to do it like not, that doesn't bother me, you know, when things go wrong or bad things happen, I'm so used to seeing it. But I realize that someone from New York City that's never seen a cow in real life wouldn't take too kindly to some of the stuff that happens. Yeah. So I want to find a way to tastefully share, you know, that it's not all happiness and playing with cows all day. But it's, just that's like, a lot of it. Not just putting <laughs> babies in your truck with yeah, you. Yeah, not just riding around <laughs> with baby cows and drinking beer with my dad. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But I'll figure that out. I'm just... I don't have a, a plan. I'm You're just, just kind of just winging it and <laughs> yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. No, I, I think it's interesting. Like I said, I, I don't see anybody else doing anything like that or, or living the Alex lifestyle. So. Well, thanks. Yeah, there's 
one the coolest thing about it probably is other people that are involved in like the farming and ranching community that reach out to me mm-hmm. and if I post something, you know, they'll reach out and say Oh, that's awesome that you did that. This is what we do. This is what works for us. And, you know, I can take bits and pieces of that and take it back to our operation. And, you know, they say they do the same thing. They're like, oh, I never thought about, you know, giving a sick calf this type of medicine. I'll try that or, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's great to be able to connect with people from all over the United States and, you know, other countries that do the same thing I do. That's it's really cool. I've made some cool friends through it and met some cool people. And I love it when other girls reach out to me. And they message me and, you know, they work with their dad on their farm or their ranch and they love that, you know, seeing what I do. Or I get a lot of people that message me, you know, that don't have their dad anymore and, you know, love that I share so much about my relationship with him and, you know, how close we are. And that's yeah. really rewarding to see that. I, don't, I definitely don't take a single day for granted. I'm mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly blessed to get to do what I do. How does your dad like being on camera? Like- so <laughs> when I first kind of started like before I ever did anything on Instagram or whatever I was always like taking snapchats of him and you know whatever yeah. um just because he's he's hilarious but then when I first started actually filming him and taking pictures of him that I was like posting on Instagram at first he was like get that camera out of my face like yeah. no but then you know he's really like warmed up to it and opened up to it but th- I do know there is a time to do it and there is a time to not, (laughs) you know, like I definitely know if like we're in a pretty heated situation working with cows or doing something really important. I don't do it because, you know, stakes are running high and there's a lot of tension. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, I'm not going to whip it out and try to take a picture of him doing something if we're doing something really important. Yeah. But honestly, he's really, really cool about it, especially now that he knows that I'm sharing more about what we're doing. That's like benefiting the agricultural community mm-hmm. community and he likes that that I'm trying to use I don't consider myself to have a platform or be anybody special but he likes that I'm trying to make positive waves for yeah. the agricultural community because it is under fire a lot these days a lot of people are so removed with where their food comes from so it's cool to be able to give people an inside look at what's going on and he's he's really supportive of that yeah and it's kind of cool that you're, you're- able to show it from both sides of the fence where you're showing from a farming background and you're showing it from a, a, a hunting background too, you know, and showing both sides of that where sometimes that can get skewed yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's really near and dear to my heart. I, cause I've been, I've been hunting with my dad since, you know, before I can remember, there was never a time where I don't remember hunting and there was never a time when I don't remember being involved with our farming and ranching operation. You know, like I'm involved in both aspects more deeply now that I'm older, but I've always been all about it. And, um, you know, hunting has been something that's been so important to my entire family for as long, longer than I've been around. You know, my grandpa and my uncles, my dad, my cousins, everybody's all about it. So it's always just been such a natural thing for me to do it, you know, and, but my dad is the one that got me into it, started taking me turkey hunting when I was really little and. It's fun, and I'm, I'm, it's really cool to be able to integrate farming and ranching and hunting all in one entity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, there is no, there's no time when, like, work stops and hunting begins. We're always doing stuff that's, like, going to benefit hunting while we're working. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, like, check cameras while we're feeding cows or put out mineral for, you know, if we put out salt for our cows, we'll go put out salt for the deer. Like, it's just, it's all the same. There's never any time where I'm like, oh, I got to stop 
working with cows and go work for the deer. It's just, it's all the same, kind of on the same schedule. Yeah. And that's really cool. And that's, that's got to be interesting too, like, well, an interesting life that every day I'm sure is different. Mm-hmm. Like you're just kind of yeah doing whatever needs to be done each day and, and I'm sure there's a lot of long days and, and also if you need time to do other things, I'm sure you're able to break away and get in the tree stand or something. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly the way it is. There's some, there's some long days like right now, uh, we're calving right now. So babies are dropping left and right and we've had some really bad weather. So, you know, you can't plan for things like that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just any job things just pop up bad things and you never know what's going to happen. Every day is an adventure. <laughs> that's for sure. And, uh, but yeah, it's great. I mean, there's, I'm really lucky in the fact that if there's a day that I need to be in the woods, I get to go hunt. You know, I don't have to take time off or wait for the weekends. Like, so my dad and I kind of have a goal during the fall that we want to have all of our calves worked and everything, all of our big cow work for the fall done before the rut hits in Missouri. Okay. The goal is like before the pre-rut even starts, but that doesn't always happen. But we kind of, cause we both want to spend a majority of our time hunting when the rut hits in yeah. Missouri. So we want to have all of our important work done before that. But yeah, like I said, if there's a day where I'm working or whatever, if, if I feel that I need to be in the woods, I get to go 99.99% of the time. And that's led me to success. Like this year in November, we were working, we were building fence. I had hunted that morning and I'd had a buck that I was really wanting to kill. And I knew he was walking daylight hours and I'd hunted him that morning. Never saw him, never saw a deer. And then that afternoon we were working on fence and I was like, dad, I got to go. I have, I, I got to go. And he was like, right, let's just finish up this stretch. We were like just patching up a quarter mile section of fence. And I was like, like looked at my watch. I said, I have to go. And he's like, all right, go. An hour later I had shot him like, and that's, that's a pretty rewarding thing that, you know, again, my dad's so cool about it. Yeah. He loves that I love to bow hunt so much and he's really, really supportive of it. But you know, it is a, it is a cool thing that anytime I want to go, I get to go as often or as little as I feel like it. Yeah. So with, with you being so busy with both avenues and everything there, you got to break away a little bit. Was it this past year you got to go on your first Western hunt? So, yes, it wasn't my first Western hunt. Okay. My first successful Western hunt. Gotcha. <laughs> um, my dad and I went to New Mexico and went elk hunting. Okay. And in September, uh, beginning of September, we went with some friends of ours down there, Frontier Outfitting. And this was, I'd been elk hunting before and my dad had shot one before with a rifle, but mm-hmm. this was like the first time I felt like we were going and it was actually going to be like a legit like experience you know and we had a freaking blast the bulls were fired up and screaming and uh we were bow hunting and i ended up killing one killed my first elk that's awesome yeah my dad unfortunately missed one like a 370 really giant yeah on like the last day which i felt so bad for him but it's just part of it you know and to even get that experience he was pumped up about it after yeah, the and just tears after of you. dust settled. Yeah. Well, and even after, I'm sure he was super excited after you. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, he was he one. was super pumped because, like I said, I'd been on an elk hunt before, but this was we had pretty high expectations for this, and we were on bulls almost every day. Like it was incredible, and they were screaming. Like 
there was absolutely nothing like it. You know, a bull elk screaming in your face 20 yards away. It was, yeah. it was insane. And a buddy of mine, Austin Thomas, who does a lot of photography and video work for Sitka and Matthews, uh, Huntera Maps, and a few other companies, they, uh, he came along with me and actually got the kill on film, which he kind of just came on a whim. Actually, just a couple weeks before, I was like, well, shoot, if you want to come and, you know, get some photos or whatever, you're more than welcome. And he was like, yeah, for sure. I was like, but I'm not letting the camera get in the way of killing an elk, you know? Yeah. I was like, if you want to film it and you get it, cool. If you don't, I don't care. I'm shooting him. So, and it worked out where he got it on film. So that's been a really special thing for me to have to be able to look back on. And That's amazing. Yeah. Did, so did he film like the whole hunt, like the whole experience? Yeah, he captured like he, everything he with you and everything. your dad. And yeah, of my, which my dad and I didn't hunt together a lot. We were hunting. Okay. We each had our own guide, so we could up our chances. But after I killed mine, we hunted together. Yeah, and we had a blast. Like I said, my dad had killed an elk before in New Mexico with a rifle, probably six or seven years ago. But uh, he had a great time. <laughs> what? I was just not, checking. Am I not drinking enough? I was just checking if he needed another one. That's all. The mountains lined up, the so mountains I didn't know. Peaked. Hey, can you can you explain that? Okay, real so quick? Sorry, we're gonna go off track. Real okay, quick. this is really important. If you have a bush light can, I know all of y'all listening either do drink bush light or you should. Yeah. And if the peak of the mountain on the logo lines up perfectly with the opening that you drink from, you got to slam it. It's <laughs> getting peaked. So my friends and I play this game, and like it's a lot of fun when you're playing with a bunch of people. It's almost like getting ice, like with a smirnoff. Yeah, like you gotta because it's like luck of the draw. What and percentage it, of the cans line up like that? So it seems like you'll never like you're like oh how often can that happen? But when you get like a thirty rack, like and one of them does it, it's like there'll be like ten or fifteen yeah. that are lined up, and then there might not be any in the next case. Like it's. Uh, it's it makes it a lot of fun. I mean, not that drinking bush light isn't fun, but this really yeah. helps. <laughs> that even increases. <laughs> it is the increases fun level. the fun yeah. a lot. Oh, that's hilarious! All right, now now we're back. Okay, back yeah. to hunting. Back to hunting. <laughs> okay, so Austin Thomas, which I, I met him out at ATA this year, real nice guy, and oh, he's yeah, great. he's yeah. real real good guy. And anyways, so he filmed the whole thing and the whole experience of the hunt and everything. What what are some takeaways from like from you you're going out to like a different place kind of out I'm guessing that's a little bit out of your comfort zone. Oh, 100%. Do, you know, elk yeah. hunting. Is that something that's kind of like in you now like I need to do this yeah, all the time? Yeah. Absolutely. Like it doesn't matter what I'm hunting, it doesn't matter if it's squirrels or bull elk in New Mexico, like I get super into it. Like yeah. it's just the thrill of the hunt that I love, but like especially now like having success on a hunt like that. You know, because obviously any hunt you go on, you hope to kill what you're after. You hope to find success. But to actually do it was like the best feeling in the whole world. You know, I've killed lots of whitetails at home with my bow and with rifles and, you know, killed turkeys and all kinds of stuff. You know, but this was my first like out of state big hunt that like I found success on. And like it's in my blood for sure. Like if you've never experienced elk rutting, you need to. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, and actually, my my first elk, I killed him with my bow, and mm-hmm. that's so special to me. It was such a huge goal of mine as a bow hunter to kill an elk with my bow, and like even like now, just talking about it, it's like, oh my god, did I really do that? Yeah, I did. I got a euro mountain done of him, and I picked it up a couple months ago, and I was like, 
oh my gosh, I killed this elk. It was like seeing it all over again. It's yeah. like the coolest feeling. And I mean, the meat is just awesome. Yeah. I got lots of elk sticks and the steaks and everything. And it's so good. I'd never really eaten much elk before. I'd had like jerky and stuff, but like, it's good. Yeah. It's really it's good. Really good. <laughs> I can't say that from experience of me killing one because I'm going <laughs> they, they on. They taste better when you kill them yourself. Yeah, I know. You should try it sometime. <laughs> oh, 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 she's slamming me already. <laughs> and, yeah, no, I'd like to, you know, maybe I think next year's the year. I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, actually, I've killed elk every year, but I don't want to tell anybody about it because it just, it's just, yeah. it, it helps the storyline of East meets West make it dramatic. So I totally year understand. four, everyone's like, wow, the, you know, the, the comeback kid, you know, the he, comeback kid. he's just, I, I gets get it. it done. But you know, I've been killing him every year. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's no big deal. It's not that hard or anything. No. It's not like it's a physically demanding difficult hunt or anything either no no but uh you, you definitely get me fired up even t- talking about that story like it just gets me pumped it was awesome yeah thinking about it, it was, again it was so and especially to go on a because i go on a lot of hunts but i don't go on many out of state far away hunts with my dad really because most like with our cows and work and stuff someone has to be home either him or i have to be home so it was really, really special to me to get to go on a trip like that with my dad. Like this, this was our dream hunt. You know, we called it like, I hope it's not the only hunt of a lifetime we get to go on together, but this was like our hunt of a lifetime together. Yeah. And I was thinking about that before we went that I was like, I really need to soak up every minute of this because, you know, not many people get to go hunt on a hunt like that. Not many, and let alone to do it with their dad, bow hunting. Like it's just, it's really cool. You know, and I have, that's another reason why I was glad that Austin went because I got some great pictures of my dad and I that I love and, you know, I'm going to cherish forever. It sounds a little cheesy, but. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I love him and I, he means so much to me and. Yeah. And it was, it was cool too because like my dad has sacrificed so much for my love of the outdoors, like taking me when I was little and making it all about me and a sacrifice so much like you know, bringing me into our operation together. Like, those are all sacrifices he's made. So, like, to do something oh, for him. sacrifice, all right. Yeah. yeah you know me well enough <laughs> yeah. now that you know what he puts up with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to be able to get him Sitka gear and get him a Matthews bow. And, like, I surprised him with a new bow to take, you know, a new triax And, like, I surprised him with it. And it, he was, like, so thrilled. So, to be able to, like, give something back to him is like the coolest thing because he's like he's so cool like I said we have bad weather and we're calving at home right now and I'm like I have to go to Pennsylvania for a few days he's like all right go yeah have fun like I got it yeah Uh, and when you get home we'll pick up where you left off like he's so supportive and so cool so it's I love being able to like give something back to him Mm -hmm. so we've put in like for a few hunts we put in for Arizona for archery elk and oh no rifle elk and archery antelope with my guys, big Chino outfitters there. I went and hunted uh, mule deer with them a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, and the mule deer hunting is over the counter. So I'm going to go back and do that again. But I'm hoping, you know, we have a chance. The units we put in, they said it's like a one to three year draw okay. for a rifle elk. So that's going to be sweet. Because I, I love bow hunting, but I also like to kill things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's totally fine with me. Ugh. And my dad will love that too. Yeah, so I hope I hope we draw. So fingers crossed. So you went in as like a group application. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, for my cool. dad and I. 
it's no, I, I get what you're saying about the thing, like going out hunting with your dad. So this past year, uh, I went, when I went out to Colorado, I went out for 14 days straight and like two weeks before the hunt, I was going to hunt the whole first week by myself out there. And then I was meeting up with some guys and I was just like, well, I don't want to ask my dad to go. He was supposed to go on a hunt with my brother and, um, and antelope hunt in October. So he was going to do that and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, he, he, um, they didn't draw. They had like 95% odds and they were the 5% that didn't draw. Oh, really? And he was kind of like upset about it, wanted to go. So I was like, do you want to go elk hunting with me? He's like, I'm not ready for this. It's two weeks away. I was like, dad, get your shit together. We're, like, going, we're, going. we're going elk hunting. And so he did Like he literally just was like, okay got all his stuff together and we jumped in my truck and drove 27 hours you know across the country and he hunted the first i guess it was eight days with me and it was a freaking blast like it was one it pissed me off because i like was like working all summer and everything getting trying to get in shape do all stuff and he doesn't do anything and he's still kicking my ass going up over the mountain you know he's he, he just are you serious oh yeah he's that's hilarious yeah he's just a bull but and and he was just loved every second of it. We literally went seven days before we found any elk because it was really? so dry yeah. in the area we were. And he was just like kept up like the good attitude. And I, I recorded a daily podcast out there. So every day at the end of the night, I carried my equipment with me and we recorded like basically the whole motions like of That's the day. That's really cool. And, and I released them daily after that. And he is funny because He's never been, you know, on camera or on with a headset on. At first, he was like so super shy. Yeah, and then he got good with it. And and it's funny because a lot of people are like, "Oh, you need to get your dad back on." Like we like listen to him and and want to hear That's more awesome. of his knowledge and and stuff. So that was. That was really cool to be able to do that. And that's really sweet. Yeah, and that's cool too to have that forever, like documented of every yeah. day what and, happened on the hunt and what was good and what was bad. Yeah, you know. and they were only like short, like some of them were like five minutes, some of them were 15, it all depended on how the day went, and I just really hope that uh, that sometime we'll, we'll get together again and, and can come out, you know, packing out heavy or whatever it may be, but either way, it's awesome. Yeah, if you're out there with your dad, I mean, that's what it's all about, yeah. you know, that's cool that you got to go experience that with them, and who yeah. cares if you weren't on elk? Yeah, no, it like, was... It was it was funny. Like at the end of it, I remember the last night we were gonna just stay in the camp in the down at the truck and then drive in in the morning because he had to go to the airport. And he's like, "Do you want to just go get a hotel and get beer?" And I go, "Yeah." So I <laughs> use my inReach to text my mom and to book us a hotel room. And then she texts me back is like, "All right, got you one." I was like, "All right, we're going." That's in. the best. And it was just. It was great. We went in and got the biggest pizza possible, greasiest pizza. Oh yes, after a, a twelve pack and and had a good time. So that was that was awesome to be able to do that. And and then later, like this year, I when I killed my buck in Pennsylvania, he came and helped me pack it out. So it was that's awesome. It was fun. That's cool. It sounds like you yeah. have a similar relationship with your dad that yeah. I do. Like my dad, he's he's easily one of my best friends. You know, we hang out and eat pizza and drink beer all the time yeah <laughs> you know that's like lunchtime for us every day <laughs> you know <laughs> like lunchtime. we we do it all the time and that's cool that you have that same kind of relationship and connection with your dad we're both really really lucky in that sense because a lot of people can't say that no you know or for some people it's their uncle or their mom mm-hmm. or their grandpa you know like to have a relationship with someone like that or just a family friend you know yes yeah. that's cool it's neat to hear other people's 
experiences and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that that's cool. That's what when you were talking through that, I was thinking it just made me relate, you know, yeah. back to all that. So that's cool. Well, your dad sounds cool. I hope yeah. we meet him someday. Yeah, maybe. Bush light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be good. Uh, he drinks straw light for the most part. Do you ever hear straws? Straws? Oh yeah, you're not from Pennsylvania. Sounds so horrible. The, no, listen. So my hometown has a brewery there and it's famous in Pennsylvania. It's called okay. Straub's Brewery. Straub's. I just brought when the Maven guys, when they come here, they ask me to bring them a case every time. Really? It's pretty good stuff. So my dad has that on tap in the house, but he does drink Bush Light if he gets cans. Okay. So it's, it depends okay. on. Okay. Well, I'll have a Straub's. Yeah. You'll have a Straub's about that? over the house. I'll do it. I'll play his game for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Anyways, Alex, the let's, let's jump, let's, jump ship a little bit here and transfer over to your whitetail season this okay year. do you want to talk about that i do because because you had a i've great been dying year. to talk about it oh geez. <laughs> so whitetails are like like my jam like your jam my jam i absolutely am ate up with whitetail hunting and i have been for as long as i can remember um and you know my dad and everyone in my family's always been big into whitetail hunting but that's the main hunting in missouri is deer hunting and, uh, you know, like I said, we do a lot of work for whitetails, like food plots and management and trail cameras and things like that. Pause. Oh. Bush. Bush. <laughs> All right. Back to it. Can't talk about deer hunting without food a bush plots, light. Food plots, cameras. Food plots, cameras, bush light. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, this year I had, this was the best year of bow hunting that I've ever had. Um, you know, I killed my elk with my bow and then I came went to Ohio. So I was in Ohio with Donnie Wilson, who yep. like is my favorite human in the entire world. <laughs> I love and, Donnie. Yeah, I was I was in camp at Donnie's place with uh Matt McCormick, Chris Derrick, uh Mike Herp, some Sitka, some of my Sitka peeps and uh while I was hunting in Ohio I had my buddy Andy who's just a, a, one of my friends from home and I had him go check one of my cameras for me because one thing, like I say my dad and I are really close, but I don't want him to go check cameras just because He's not. He has a flip phone, if that tells you anything. So does my dad. So I don't want him to touch the cameras because he'll mess them up. So Andy wouldn't check the cameras for me. And this deer that I have over four years of pictures of history with, I've never seen him in person, but, like, I've been growing this deer. Like I, And this was the year that I wanted to kill him. And he always disappears around the end of October. So at end of October, I'm in Ohio, and this buck at home is walking daylight hours. And I'm, like, sick. I'm, like, I've been waiting for this for years, and I'm in Ohio, and he's in Missouri walking around 20 yards from my stand at oh. 3 in the afternoon. And I'm, like, sick to my stomach. So I, like, told Donnie and told my dad and stuff. I was, like, when I get home, I'm killing this deer. Like, I know, I know I'm going to do it. So I kind of called it. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> and so I get home, and I call Austin Thomas, my photography friend and he was in Iowa filming Ben Harshine of Hunter Maps and I said you got to get home like if you want to come with me to watch me kill this deer and film it or whatever it's like I'm doing it tomorrow like you got to get home and he's like you got to wait I won't be home you know till early next week don't go in yet you got to wait and I was like sorry bud I'm going so I go in and like I said I'd hunted that morning went and worked in the afternoon with my dad you know we were building fence and I was like Mark I gotta go I got to go hunt. And he like didn't kind of didn't want me to, I could tell. And I was like, I'm serious. I need to be in a tree within the next 45 minutes. And so I get, I get all set up, you know, and I, I like to think I'm normally pretty stealthy, but I was like 
extra stealthy. Extra I was stealthy. trying to be extra quiet and extra sneaky. And so I like sneak in and get set up in my stand. And, you know, I'm seeing some small bucks and a couple does. And it's, uh, it's a couple days before rifle season was going to open in Missouri, like the week before. So, excuse me, the pre-rut, you know, ruts kicked in. So seeing deer walking around and all of a sudden I see this rack like, coming through the trees. And I just knew, I was like, it's him. Holy shit. Like, I did it. Like, there he is. Yeah, I found him. And it was so crazy, like, seeing him in person for the first time. Like, I, he was, when he was walking in, the first, the first moment I saw him, he came in, like, 40 yards away. And I looked at him through my binos, like, 20 times. Because I was like, is it really him? Like, you know, I have thousands of pictures of this deer, but I couldn't believe that I was actually seeing him in person. So, pretty much, this sucked. He came in at 20 yards broadside, and I shoot right over his back. Miss him. And I was like, what a rookie. I was like, what is wrong with me? This is what I've been waiting on. You know, this is like the height of my bow hunting career is shooting this whitetail with my bow, you know, and I whiff 100% a whiff. I have no excuse other than I just suck. So, (laughs) so he runs off. He has, he doesn't really know what's going on and he trots off and kind of is in some trees and just looks around and then just turns around and walks away and I can't see him anymore. So I don't react for like five or 10 minutes. I just, I don't even think I sat back down. I was just standing there and I was just like looking at my arrow sticking in the ground. And I was like, you suck. Like, what is wrong with you? So I text my dad and he was like, I said, I just missed him. And he said, well, maybe he'll come back. Cause I honestly, I wanted to get down. I was like, I was upset. I was crying. (laughs) I'll admit it. I shed some tears. Good thing Austin wasn't with you. Yeah, it's a good thing he wasn't with me. How embarrassing would that have been? I probably would have yelled at him to get that camera out of my face. (laughs) So I have like mascara running all over my face and I'm like a mess. My dad's like, you never know what could happen. Like this time of year, like you don't know. Mm -hmm. So like 30 minutes later, I start seeing deer again. And there's this other buck that I have, um, lots of pictures of and I I recognize and knew this buck and he's a young up-and-comer and he's at the other end of my food plot like 100 yards away making a scrape so I'm just watching him through my binos still feeling sorry for myself and he starts working his way towards me and he comes in and starts making a there's a big scrape tree right in front of me like 15 yards in front of me yeah and he starts working a scrape and raking his antlers and I'm just watching him like oh you're so cute and little like please live forever so I can shoot you when you're big and I look down to my left and I see like a rat coming through the trees and I was like oh my god he came back and like I just instinctively grabbed my bow and I drew back and I he had a big inside g2 point on the inside of his main beam and I saw that so I knew it was him mm-hmm. but without like you know he's kind of through limbs and stuff but I drew back before he came out and before I knew for sure and he stepped out at 13 yards to run this younger buck off and I smoked him oh like, man double lunged him like passed through like just drilled him yeah. so like he runs off runs through the trees and I'm like hearing you know all hell breaking loose and then I'm like oh my gosh like I did it like, yeah, again, I'm like, all right, that was easy. He came back. I shot him, whatever. So I called my dad and I was like, he came back and I shot him. Like, I feel good about the shot, you know, but a 13 yard shot, it's hard to shoot a deer really close. Yeah, so, it is. you know, and my dad was like, okay, well, you know, by this time it was like four thirty or so. And he was like, well, we'll kind of, you know, back out. I wanted to give the deer some time so we didn't bump him. We ended up going back in a couple hours later and we're not finding like any blood. Like, there's, like, no blood trail. There's, like, specks. 
every like 20 yards. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I have a really short temper, like a really short fuse. (laughs) And so does my dad. And I was like, screw it. I was like, let's back out. I was mad. I was like, let's just leave. I don't want to bump this deer. We're tracking him north, like towards the neighboring property. I was like, let's just leave. So my dad goes to get back up and get in the pickup truck. And my buddy Andy is with us. And he's like, will you guys walk out to the field and I'll pick you up? Like, all right, sweet. So we're walking down this creek, a big rock bottom creek that's on this farm. And we're going headed south because we were tracking the deer north. So mm-hmm. we didn't want to bump him. And we literally walk on him laying, floating in the creek, like the opposite direction. We were tracking blood and he was floating there. So I'm like walking with my headlamp, looking down, like feeling sorry for myself. And Andy's like, holy shit, there he is. And he was floating. Like in the creek. It was the craziest thing. I've seen pictures and heard of other people finding animals dead in yeah. water, but I'd never. That's amazing. It, yeah, it was so cool. And like it was this farm, like my dad's had this farm for longer than I've been alive. And like I grew up hunting it, you know, and been trying to manage this farm and grow this deer and, you know, for the, and then to like find him like that. It was like a roller coaster. It was an exhausting night. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it was exhausting. But it ended up working out. You know, we found him and. It was sweet. He was, it was so cool to kill him. Like the biggest white tail I've ever killed by a long shot. That's absolutely, yeah. So the funny thing was while this was going on and I didn't know you at the time, like personally, and I was up in Alberta with Chris, Derek, and he's like, he comes back and I think it was at, was it lunchtime or was it the next morning? He was like, he's like, Alex killed the big one. Like, and I'm like. What are you talking about? (laughs) Who's Alex? Yeah. And then he was telling me about it because you were hunting with Chris the Mm -hmm. week before in Ohio that the the story's all going that you killed him while we were in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And that was just, that was, it was funny because he's like, look at this deer. Look how big it is. Oh, that's 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 so cool. And he was bragging on me, especially showing Jim Holt because Jim is like the king of white tails. Yeah. Well, I mean. (laughs) That makes me feel good. That was the only thing good he said about you. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. She's like, well, she's kind of lame, but she killed a big deer, so yeah, that's all right. Yeah, she's got a short temper, you know, <laughs> this and that. A short but. fuse, and, but she killed a big deer, so she's cool. No, Chris, yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to work with Chris on the whitetail development side of things with Sitka. Yeah. And that guy, I mean, he geeks out about this gear. Oh, yeah. Geeks out hard about it, and he's so smart, and, you know, he's done amazing things for the whitetail line at Sitka Gear, and there's some awesome things in the works that, you know, we're all so stoked about, so mm-hmm. that's cool that he was bragging on me, because I have a lot yeah. of respect for him. He's such a cool Chris dude. Chris has been one of my favorite people to work with on things, like, when. so, like, when we're doing a lot of, like, the different product tests, and so I'm doing a lot of the stuff on the whitetail side from the men's side, and... You know, working on stuff that's a couple years out. And Isn't it he, crazy? And, yeah, and he, he listens so well. Like, yeah. Everything that, that I say, whether it's bullshit or not, he's... He cares. He cares. Like, he and cares. Ask why, why, you know, why are you saying this? And we'll make tweaks and do things. And it's super cool. I've never worked with anyone that really... You know, a lot of people say, like, All right, if you're doing product testing... They're like, you give okay. your feedback. They already have what in their mind what they yeah. want to do. But Chris is, like, really intent on listening and like you know, he trusts you trust yeah. your input and it's really cool when like you see something that like you deliberately had a hand in helping create and then when you see it like come to market and it's like you're oh my mic's wrong there you go. you're working yeah. a trade show in pennsylvania and someone comes in and says oh i love this about the new women's gear and you're yeah. like awesome you know it's like oh, yeah i got that that's yeah you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so fun 
It's so cool. Yeah, no, Chris is a, an absolutely great guy. And uh, so, so you were, you know, with doing the development all the way from 2015 when the women's line was, be- when did it come out, 2016? 2017 was the launch, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so there was, and it was even in the works before I got involved. I want to say Jess was involved with it. Maybe I could be wrong, but before I was even. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that just kind of goes to show the behind the scenes stuff that goes on with the gear. You know, there's things that are, you know, years in the works. And that's why like people come in the booth and they're like, oh, you should come out with this. And I'm like, well, we've been working on that for, you know, three years. Like it might, you know, like yeah. it's not going to just come out next year, you know. Yeah, but things don't happen overnight. No, and they it, don't. For a good reason. Yeah. And that's what makes the gear so technical. And, you know, it's all about improving the experience in the outdoors, you know, because your clothing is gear. That's it's no more. It's no different than your boots or your gun or your bow. It's gear and it needs to perform for you just like your rifle does, yeah. just like your bow. And that mindset has completely changed the way I hunt. That mindset that, you know, details like that matter. You know, this, like, this, how much quieter the new men's and women's whitetail fanatic suits are. Like, that matters, you know, and it does make a difference and it, you know, it'll work better for you. It's, it's crazy because, like, if you would ask me, I started wearing Seca five years ago, six years ago now. I guess it was like 2013. And before that, I did, you know, I had some Under Armour stuff and some random shit that I yeah. just put together. I n- knew nothing about layering systems, and it has changed the way that I hunted. And then once I, and, and not just saying that, you know, from the gear standpoint, but when you are comfortable and you're able to figure out how your body regulates temperature and wicks moisture and everything else, it makes you that much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can be a hard ass and get through whatever. Tough it out. Yeah, you can tough it out. That's fine. My dad's done it for a lot of years until I got him in the sicka and like I don't want to suffer. Yeah, grew up wearing men's hand me downs as a child, like it was terrible. Yeah, (laughs) you know, so like now I I'm pretty spoiled and probably the the coolest thing is like when you're working a show like this and a girl comes in and she talks about how she bought some of the women's gear and just like the sense of relief that you can hear like when she's talking to you, like she's just so happy that there's finally women's gear. That's just as technologically advanced as the men's gear. Yeah. You know, and it really is like women come in and talk to you. Like, thank you so much, you know, for that. And that's, that's what's really rewarding because it, you know, women get cold and there's some badass female hunters out there that need gear. That's just as great, if not better than the men's in some, some ways, you know, and there's lots of things that we need that men don't. And there's lots of things that men need that we don't. So the lines are similar, but they're not the same, you know, the layering systems and some of the pieces aren't all the same. And that's, that's really important that it's not just men's gear size down. Like it's built by women hunters for women hunters. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty sweet. I'm jealous of some of your guys' gear. Mm-hmm. Like you got the the ground shield stuff and some of the yes. fanatic stuff in the back yeah, there, lower it's back. Like sitting on a tree stand, like it's a little cushion and yeah. makes you warmer. It's awesome. I know. You guys got a lot of cool yeah. stuff. The, yeah. the new uh what's the new vest? Uh the, the Celsius the Celsius midi vest. Mm-hmm. Oh man, like Yes. I need that. Yeah, I'm you, have to, you do need it. Maybe you can wear some of the women's stuff. I might have to. <laughs> yeah. I want I want the new uh bra thing <laughs> oh yeah the, the active tank <laughs> yeah there you go see women finally get a line of their own and now the guys are going to start wearing it like you don't have your own line hey listen i was i was talking to uh, john barklow on the podcast a little while ago and we were 
talking about the 2019 stuff coming out and he's telling me about that Mm -hmm. and i I asked him on the podcast like john did you did you probably test that yourself (laughs) and he started laughing he probably did i mean because he's all about it so yeah anything he can do to you know help the line he would do it (laughs) yeah no that's that's awesome but yeah so everything was sick up you had basically a dream season here in 2018 what's next for this year so I mentioned a little bit earlier, but in 2019, I've been to Arizona, went mule deer hunting there. Um, that was amazing. That was that was the best hunt I've ever been on. Get into details on it. Why? Okay, so I got a call that uh, from my friend Sloan, who works for Yeti, and he was like, hey, do you want to go to Arizona um, with this these big Chino outfitters? And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll think about it. And he's like, Donnie Wilson's going. I was like, I'm in. Because I told you, I love Donnie. So, show up to Arizona in this camp. I'm the only girl in this camp full of guys. And it was the best week ever. Those guys were the hardest hunting, smartest, coolest dudes you could ever imagine. Like, they treated me just like one of the guys the whole time. And we were on deer nonstop. It was it was amazing. Donnie was on deer. Donnie actually ended up missing a buck. Um, which, again, just happens sometimes. Um, I unfortunately didn't kill one but it wasn't for lack of effort like you know we talked about how my elk hunt was amazing and killing a whitetail was amazing but i will say this hunt in arizona was the best hunt i'd ever been on it was so fun the amount of action we had was next level like we were on deer nonstop, and i couldn't believe it because it's an over-the-counter tag and you just go to arizona buy your tag and go out and like we're on deer like a crazy amount and so what I did was Donnie and I were going to be there the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019. And the tags there run year to year. They don't go like through the season. Okay. So we bought, like I said, the tags are over the counter. So we bought a tag for 2018 to hunt the last few days of season and a tag for 2019 to hunt the first few days of the new season. Um, and so now I still have my, excuse me, I still have my deer tag for 2019. So I think I'm going to try to go back. We kind of talked about maybe going back in August, early season to try to kill one in velvet or go back in December and try to kill one during the rut again. But, and like I said, my dad and I have put in for a couple tags there, but I'm for, I'm for sure going back. Yeah. And I hope, you know, I hope he does too. We'll just have to see. Cause that's kind of a busy time of the year for us. And one of us has to be home. Uh, but I'm for sure. You know. So <laughs> when you say one of us has to be home, it's either your dad's going to be home or nobody's going to be home. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but at the same time, like he, in the beginning of December, he went on a pheasant hunt with a big group of his guy friends and I stayed home and worked. I was invited on the pheasant hunt too. And he told me, he's like, well, why don't you go and I'll stay home? Like it's all his friends, older guys, my uncle and stuff. And he was going to stay home so I could go. That's just like how cool he is. Yeah. And I was like, no, you can have this one time. Like you go and I'll stay home and I'll. But enjoy it. because Yeah. I was like, get, don't get used to it because I'm going mule deer hunting in a couple weeks. So (laughs) (laughs) no. So for 2019, that's, that's all that I know for sure right now. You know, we'll just have to see where, where it falls with drawing tags. But I've also, I'm going to put back in for New Mexico elk and New Mexico, uh, New Mexico mule deer. And the cool thing about New Mexico, the draw system, uh, there's no point system for elk. Mm-hmm. Anything else, I don't 
I won't pretend like I know everything about New Mexico because I don't. No, that's, but that's, there's I, no. I'm pretty sure that's all of New Mexico. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm putting in for New Mexico. I li- I liked that that yeah. there's no point system, so like everyone has the same chances. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. So I'll try to do that again. I've got uh, a couple deer that I've had a couple years of pictures of that I'm kind of wanting to try to figure them out a little better and because all my time and energy was focused on the deer that I killed so I want to try to figure out some of these other bucks and you know when I get home it's going to start you know I want to put corn out and start trying to look for sheds and run cameras and figure out where everybody's at and try to do that and then turkey season's coming up yeah for that I love turkey hunting it's a year-round process you know it really is a year-round process and like this year I was really pushed outside of my comfort zone for a few reasons um so we had a really, really bad drought this past spring. So when it came time to plant food plots, I like to just plant soybeans is, you know, cause that's what we plant for our farming operation. So we plant our food plots when we're planting beans in the spring and, and there was no rain. So none of the beans grew. So, and I knew that like there's other options for planting food plots, but I just have always stuck with soybeans. So it, like I said, it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit to have to plant something else later in the year. So I planted like a, a blend of like wheat, oats, rye, brassicas, turnips, and radishes. Ended up planting that and we got some rains and the food plots were awesome, mm-hmm. you know, but it kind of pushed me outside of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, so I was a little nervous. I was like, am I doing all this work? And then what if nothing grows or what if the deer don't like it? What's going to happen? And they ended up tearing it up. Like it worked out just fine, but so that was kind of a, a thing that like, you know, sometimes things can be a blessing in disguise and kind of push you outside your comfort zone and you'll learn something new and it might end up benefiting yeah. you, you know, but it really is a year round process for us. And I mentioned this earlier, but farming and ranching and hunting, there's no difference in any of it to me. Like there's no, you know, work doesn't stop for us to go work for whitetails. It's all integrated and it's all the same. And my dad has the same feelings about it that I do. It's all part of your life. Yeah, it's all it's all part of our life, and I don't know anything different. I've never done anything different other than farming and ranching. I've never I went to college, but I've never done anything other than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know anything different, and I'm still learning. You know, you everyone's always got lots to learn in their life, but I'm still learning a lot about whitetail hunting and you know trying to figure out mature whitetails, and it's it's a process, but you know I love it. You got to take the good with the bad and try to figure it out. Most of the time, I feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but that's all right. Yeah. that's Every year, I feel yeah. the same way as I'm, as I'm coming into the season and everything. I feel like I'm so underprepared or things are changing. And, and where I'm hunting in northern Pennsylvania, it's all big woods for the most part, so just timber. And I'll get into an area that I have figured out for three years, and they'll log it like August. Oh, you know? really? And I'm like... Well, it's a good thing, but it changes all the patterns. Yeah. Up, you know, so it's... That would and, be tough. Yeah, and just dealing with that stuff, you know, kind of adapting and overcoming. Yeah, like you never know what's, what's going to happen. You never know, you know. It doesn't matter how much you prepare, like it's still a wild animal. Yeah. You're hunting, you know, and going in to sit in a tree stand does disrupt their patterns. And if they, you know, if a big buck sees you or smells you or hears you, like there's a good chance he might never walk daylight hours again, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's a gamble and it's a process though. And I'm, I'm ate up with it. Yeah. So that's, no, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> we got some visitors coming into the, into booth, the now. booth. Yeah. We're here before the show and it's just starting to open. <laughs> got, got some shirts being pulled yeah. up. Some well, nipples, I don't know what's happening. Some nipples being shown. 
Not Alex, but not me, but somebody else. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Oh man, but yeah. So that that that's awesome, Alex, and I appreciate you coming on, telling this kind of story here of your life. And, yeah. And yeah, and this is fun. Like I told you, I'd done one other podcast before, but I've never done one in person. Mm-hmm. I like this better. Yeah, it's it's easier to be able to kind of read each other and oh yeah you know. yeah and you know and you could drink beer together and just bullshit and hang out and yeah that's what's so fun about getting coming to trade shows and stuff because like if I didn't come to trade shows for Sitka I would have never met you and I yeah. would have never met you know people that I really do consider to be my best friends yeah. you know like Jess I've talked about her a little bit Jess DiLorenzo is one of my best friends you know and Amanda Caldwell she's from Montana as well I've met so many badass women like yeah. I, I always like I said I grew up hunting but there's not a ton of women that where I'm from that like eat, sleep, breathe it. Not that I know of anyway. You know, there's other girls that hunt and that's okay. Everyone's experience. Well, you graduated with 26. Kids. I graduated with 26 people live in a very rural area. But like I thought like oh, I'm a pretty sufficient hunter, like whatever. And then I started meeting some of the other girls involved with Sitka. And I yeah. was like, oh, my gosh, like these girls are crazy. And I'm like nothing. Yeah. You know, like Amanda Caldwell went out and killed a monster bull in Montana by herself. I saw that. Like insane. Like, like who does that? Amanda does, you know, Jess, like she's the person in her family that hunts. Like, like she's the, she's the person that does it. And it's like, you know, it's her. I mean, I think her husband goes out with her and stuff, but it's like, it's her thing. Like that's badass, you know, and there's tons of other women that are involved on the waterfowl side and the big game side and the whitetail side that just like, you think you're cool. And then you meet some of these other women and you're like, man, I'm nothing. Yeah. You know, they're badass. And it's so, it's so motivating and so cool to like hear their stories and learn from them, you know, and get to go on some hunts with them and stuff. Like I went to Saskatchewan this year in October, early October with Angie Erickson and a big group of girls, um, Angie's on the Waterfowl Ambassador team. She's okay. an incredible, incredible person. Went up to Sask with her, and we shot ducks, ducks and geese, and just had an amazing time. And it's just, like, connections like that that you make with people, especially, you know, that's my favorite, like, meeting other women, like I said, that really, you know, want to motivate you and make you better. And yeah. that's, that's the And podcast hosts. And podcasts. Yeah, I want to meet cool podcast hosts as well. You yeah. Know, that's <laughs> a benefit. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I have one other question for you, and if you have anything else you want to add, you're welcome to. So something I ask uh, most of my guests on here is, as we're looking at my hat here, this question right across the top, how do you define adventure? Ooh, that's tough. Okay, so... Don't overthink it. Just, okay, just so... Just roll. Um, anything can be an adventure. So I don't know that there is, like, a single definition for adventure. Like, an adventure to me might be, like... Going out, putting out corn in the spring, looking for sheds, you know, like anything can be an adventure and like every adventure is going to be different. So if you can find the good and the bad and embrace it in any adventure, that's what's going to make it fun. Yeah. You know, like you got to, you know, enjoy the shitty hunts, enjoy the bad days with bad weather and enjoy the good days too. Even though honestly with hunting, the good days, successful days are far, few and far in between most of the time, but no, that's great. That's awesome. How do you... I think that's how I define adventure, that everything's an adventure. An adventure. Everything. The life of Alex. Life life is an adventure. Yeah, you know, raising cows, raising cattle is a freaking adventure. Let me tell you, things get Western all the time. And that's an adventure. And no, I like that, though, that everybody's definition of adventure is going to be a little different. But that's mine that I 
want to make every day an adventure. Coming to Pennsylvania to work this show that I'd never been to, never, you know, coming with meeting new people. I haven't worked shows with all the other guys that are here. That's an adventure. It's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. Love it. No, that, that's, that's super cool. And, and I love hearing everyone's different take on it because there's no right answer. No, it's there's a, not. It's an open-ended, you know, question there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's well, cool maybe to hear that. Life is an adventure might sound cheesy, but I mean, <laughs> it's true. yours is in the bottom 5%. <laughs> Basic white hey. girl over here that life is an adventure. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's true though. It's, it makes know, I wouldn't fun. call you a basic white girl instead of <laughs> having like a, a a latte from Starbucks in the morning. We're drinking Bush Light, so I, I don't know if basic white a bush girl. Bush latte. A Bush latte is. Mm-hmm. That's right. This has been this has been great. I really appreciate you having me, and it's cool that some people seem to give a shit about what I have to say. And yeah, you know, we'll see. I'll let you. Yeah, know. well, I'll let you, you know might if go. you even release this or not. Yeah. I asked you earlier if you release every podcast you do, and you said yes. So we'll see if this would actually. Yeah, hits, there's always a first for hits, everything. It's <laughs> the market. Maybe mine will be the first one that never makes the cut. It's crazy how I had your mic turned off this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been recording this entire time. Uh, I can see you doing that. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> test me. No, Alex, it was it's been awesome having you on here. Where can people find some more? Where can they see your stuff at? Okay, so my Instagram handle is Alex Templeton underscore, and. What's up with the underscore at the end? I don't know. Alex Templeton was taken. And it's that's been my name for, since like I got since Instagram. Since you got born. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Change it? I did. But what is, what's yours? Bo.martonic. Well, what's up with the dot? Because if it flowed together, they'd think it's just like boom. You know? Boom. You know, you, <laughs> just, you got to separate it. So the underscore. Yeah. Alex Templeton underscore. And that's where I post all of my farming and ranching and hunting shenanigans. And awesome. my dad. I posted a lot about my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Anybody want to check it out, you know, check out her Instagram. Any any other place or is that where you just... That's pretty much it. I don't really it. do anything on Facebook because yeah. it's 2019 and Facebook's lame. So <laughs> <laughs> Instagram uh, predominantly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So if people want to come hang out on Instagram, come find me. <laughs> that's where Alex I'm at. Templeton underscore don't forget that <laughs> yeah like not underscore spelled out the line yeah. <laughs> just, so, <laughs> just to make that clear all right alex do you have anything else you want to add or do you just want to finish up our beers and get finish to work up our day? beers and get to work no i want to tell you thank you like yeah. this is this is really been i told you that i was nervous for this mm-hmm. and i was kind of like oh man do i really want to do it like I'm a loser. Like, does he really want me on his podcast? But no, this has been great. You've been super easy to talk to and you did a really good job. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Alex, thank you. I really enjoyed uh, getting to see you here this weekend and and uh, coming on the show. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com. Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time.